plan the date. Don't send dick pics. Like, Mm -hmm. don't try to order for them. Make sure they got home safe. Walk them home if you can. Don't ask if you should come up. Like, don't brag about money. No means no. Like, it's like you think these are rules that people would know. Apparently not. Breakers, welcome back for another episode. I, as I'm recording this, am admittedly a little self-conscious. And the reason why is because I am just at a loss at how to start off these episodes without saying, I'm so excited to introduce this week's guest, or I'm so excited for this week's topic. Every synonym that I think of just always sounds overly effusive, like I'm overjoyed to introduce this week's guest, or I'm ecstatic to be interviewing so-and-so. Excited will have to do for now, and hopefully you'll forgive me for my repetitive vocabulary because today's guest truly is fantastic. I have Lindsay Metzler from We Met at Acme podcast, and of course, we're going to dive into her show and who she is during the interview. But if you don't know who she is, one thing that she's actually known for on social media are these poll questions that she posts to Instagram. And they're often relationship-oriented because she does host a dating podcast, but they also include general survey questions, friendship-based questions, the whole gamut, essentially. And I'm actually also going to be on her podcast, and every interview she asks her guests these poll questions rapid fire at the end of the episode. So today, one of the questions that was posted on her story actually reminded me of the solo episode that I released last week called, Should Your BF Be Your BFF? I know you're not really supposed to pick a favorite child, but I think this is my favorite solo episode I've ever done. So, you know, I'm going out, I'm saying it. And anyway, the poll question was essentially, if you are single and you're planning a girl's trip or a guy's trip, even though the original question was posed to women, is it fair to ask all of your friends who are in relationships not to bring their significant other so that you can just have a girl's trip, boy's trip, whatever? And I would say, hell yes, it is. Of course it's okay. And in the last week's episode, I talk about how important it is to have sources outside of your relationship who you can rely on for support or for shared experiences because your partner, as long as they're meeting your basic needs and they're prioritizing you and they are there for the things that are important to you, they don't have to be everything to you, nor should they be. And that means it's really important to continue to continue to continue important to continue what and that means it's really important to continue cultivating the relationships that you have outside of your romantic relationship so if you have a friend who wants to plan a celebration that's centered around bonding as friends hopefully a you can understand where this person is coming from as a single individual and b not be so attached to your partner that you just can't imagine having a single experience without them So that's all I'm going to say, and I love these poll questions, but I will save the remainder for Lindsay's episode. At the very end, we actually ask Lindsay some of her poll questions and get her takes, so stick around to the end and hope you enjoy. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're here for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. And I am so, so excited to introduce today's guest. I have Lindsay Metzler, the host of We Met at Acme podcast. And I've been listening to Lindsay's podcast for a while. I can tell you she's like the friend that you go to when you need serious dating advice from your friend who cares about you, but she's also not going to bullshit you. So I cannot wait to dive into all of her opinions. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I think this is going to be great. And I have to just start off by saying congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. You just reminded me, I always forget to wear my ring, (laughs) which is like the funniest thing because like you're just not used to it still after months and months. But thank you so much. Yeah, I know it's, you know, been a little while, but just figured it's appropriate to start with that because I definitely wanted to start with your relationship. And I feel like the fact that you're about to get married is obviously such a major part of your story. And of course, as a listener to your podcast, I know the backstory of how you met your fiance, but would love to dive into how you two met for any listeners who don't. Yeah. So we actually kind of always knew each other. He went to high school with a friend of mine from college. And so I always knew his name and he always knew my name. And then we ran into each other about two months before the pandemic. (laughs) And so very interesting timing. And then we started dating. We had literally only two months before the world would shut down and change as we know it. And luckily, we like, so make or break during the pandemic with relationships, because you either like, really loved each other and the relationship accelerated, or you totally hated each other and it broke up. And for us, it accelerated. So I'm really grateful for that. And now we're engaged two years later. It's amazing. So given that you knew him before you were romantically pursuing each other, were you attracted to him from the initial meeting? Was he a someone of interest or was it not until you reconnected right before the pandemic? I definitely knew that he was attractive. We kind of had like this joke about like him being cute and my friends and I, and when I ran into him, it kind of just like clicked that, wait, like, why have I never considered this person for myself? And I think there were a lot of factors. Like I was just leaving another relationship. And I had a friend that was like dating him at one point. So in my mind, it was off limits. So everything kind of like came together that one night. And I was like, Oh, you know, it's like, I don't know if you ever saw Clueless. But it's like at the end of Clueless when she's like, wait, I love Josh. (laughs) I love Josh. Yes, I love that. So how was it with your friend? Did you have to have a conversation with this friend to say, hey, I know you dated this person, but I'm actually interested. What are your thoughts? Such a good question and such a great topic. But my friend was married. Hmm, So I, I still went to her regardless because girl code over everything. But she was like, yeah, I mean, I'm literally married like to the love of my life. So like, <laughs> obviously do whatever you want. It, ha- it would have been different if they had dated. But I think it was just like a one-time hookup. But still, I think it's so important to ask any friend who has any emotional ties to this person first. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's like, luckily, your friend was like, yeah, I don't care. I feel like it would be a red flag if she were like, I'm married, but like it still triggers something. But I know, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like people would like do that though. 
agree. And I don't want to derail too much. I think on Matt James' season of The Bachelor, like two of the girls went to their parents and they were crying over their exes. And I was thinking like, are you really in love with this new guy if you're still crying about an ex-boyfriend? Like, I don't know. That's kind of suspect to me, but... Totally. Still good to like, you know, cover your bases, make sure they're actually okay with it. Mm -hmm. So as you were getting to know him, what were some of the qualities that attracted you and convinced you that he would be a good partner long-term? It was funny because when I started to get to know him before knowing his personality, I knew his name is Steven. I knew Steven on paper. So I remember thinking on paper, this guy is great, but I have no idea if I'll actually like his personality, but on paper, you know, he went to the same college as my dad. Like there were those similarities. Like our moms went to the same college. We were both from New York. We were the same religion, which wasn't important to me really. But I was like, if that works out and I actually like this person, then that's great. And so those helped. And then once I got to know his personality, I was like, oh, his personality is just as great as he is on paper. This is for sure too good to be true. I have to check myself. And I remember (laughs) going to my therapist and saying like, I'm really worried about like how much I could like this person. And she was like, okay, we'll just like strap in and get ready. And the more I got to know him, the more I liked him. But also the more I realized that like, yes, he has too good to be true aspects, but like, he's just a person like you and I, it was an easy match. And I saw things about him that I really appreciated, like warmth and dedication to his friendships and really hardworking. And I think those were the qualities that really made me know that this was someone great. Yeah. I love a couple of things you said. First, the fact that you said, even though he had all of these amazing qualities, he's still just a person. And I think that's so important to remember as you fall for someone, because it can be really scary. I speak as someone who went on so many dates before meeting my boyfriend and like none of them were bad, right? Or maybe one or two of them were bad, but most of them were just mediocre. And so then when I did find someone who I really liked, that person being my current boyfriend, it was like, oh shit, like, what do I do? What if I fuck this up? But it's like just reminding yourself, like they're not infallible and it's not just about you impressing them. It's like also they have to prove to you that they're going to be like a good fit down the line. Exactly. And that's like such an important lesson when dating is just like, oh, I want them to like me. I want them to like me. Well, like, do you like them? Like, how do you feel about them? Like, instead of like, oh, I want to impress them, like let them impress you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And another thing I wanted to touch on is I remember like in your podcast, you mentioned that in the past, when you were in the earlier phases of dating, you kind of had this thought that you wanted to maybe date someone who was different from you. And so it sounds like Stephen, of course, has a lot of similarities and a lot of alignments and values, experiences, etc. So what kind of led to that shift in perspective for you? Yeah, it's true. I'd always thought that different was the answer that somebody who came from a completely different background, who was born in a different country, who just had a completely different childhood, whatever it was, I thought I need to have this difference for it to work because otherwise I get bored. Otherwise, you know, we're married for 20 years. I already know everything about your life. And I thought that that was the key to kind of keeping it interesting. But I learned, and especially through having people on my podcast who had really good advice, that I think it was 
the phrases opposites attract and then attack. Mm. And I think that is really, really true because it's hard when you're with someone who doesn't understand things that are important to you Mm -hmm. or are important to your family and not even just religion, but like the cultural stuff. And that doesn't, that isn't to say it can't work with someone culturally different than you, but just little things like if you bring a gift to someone who invites you over and they don't understand that, like different things that you have to work so much harder to find common ground on, or let's say to raise a child on those differences. And I think with Steven, it was an added bonus for sure that there were so many similarities from like our growing up and things like that. But it's also the glue in a way, like just as simple as like, and I'm curious how it is with your partner. And we'll definitely be talking about that on my episode. But just knowing songs that we grew up listening to together, like something as simple as that. It's like, having that in common and being able to like sing our like 90 songs on a road trip together is so great. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it's interesting because I will say I don't share quite as much in common with my partner's background. And so for context, I was raised Catholic. I don't really practice much now, except for church, maybe once or twice a year with my mom. He was raised Jewish he would describe himself as just like kind of casually Jewish, like he'll celebrate Hanukkah and he'll celebrate Rosh Hashanah and everything. But day to day, his faith isn't as big of a part of his life. And I think one thing that you mentioned earlier about like your relationship with Stephen was the fact that it was an easy connection. And for me, I feel like even though we have religion being one difference, like the type of music we like being another difference, I still feel like there is that ease and there's not this difficulty in trying to explain to one another, like why this one thing is important. It's like, I feel like we're both pretty open-minded and we like to experience new things that the other person introduces each other to. So I would say like, for me, I think that the difficulty comes when you have these differences and it's like a constant source of tension and it makes the connection feel challenging to maintain. Exactly. It's actually funny. I was recording with someone else last night and they were talking to me about their relationship and they were like, you know, it's really difficult, but like we love each other. And I always think that's so interesting. And I feel like we could do like a huge deep dive into this, but what you just said about like the ease, like I actually don't think that it's so difficult before you're married and have kids. I think that should be like the easiest, like chillest part of your relationship. And I, th- I find it so interesting. And I'm sure you've seen like these captions that these women or men will post on Instagram. And it's like, it's so hard. Like there are good days, there are bad days, but like, ultimately, like you're yeah. the one I want to be with, but like, you know, we can get through it. And I'm always like, why? Like, why is it so, so insanely challenging? It has to be like at least, I don't know, 75% ease and the, the rest can be at the challenge. But For people who are challenged every single day in their relationship to keep it afloat, I'm like, that's just not a match. That's so exhausting. And I feel like I've heard somewhere, it's like your partner should make your life better. And that sounds really obvious, but I feel like in our society, and I've talked about this on my show before, it's like, we just really in media romanticize these back and forth tumultuous relationships like Carrie and Big or like Blair and Chuck and like so many countless other examples. And it's like, that isn't, sustainable, nor like, should you even want to sustain that? It's like, aren't you tired? Don't you want someone who you feel like you can rely on day to day rather than wondering what the next day is going to bring? 
Exactly. I mean, it's like every single relationship we watch on TV makes you think that like toxicity is what equates to like love. So I guess like as we talk about, you know, the fact that Stephen was different from who you maybe initially had envisioned yourself ending up with. I'd love to hear more about like how your mindset has shifted around dating overall, just as you've grown over the years. Like we're both the same age, you're 31. And so I feel like you just change a lot from your early 20s to your 30s. And I'd love to hear what that shift looked like for you. The shift really was so much of my inner work on myself that I've done. I think when we are young and in our 20s and we haven't done work on ourselves. We don't have like a job or career path that we're necessarily proud of. We have like three roommates and we haven't had like great experiences thus far in the dating world. I think that's all a recipe for like accepting less than what you deserve. Like you don't see yourself as like, I'm amazing. I deserve amazing just yet. And I think that was the difference between me in my 20s and me today. I didn't have like two feet to really stand on. Like I was like, this was before I I was sober, which was a huge part of me growing up. So I was like smoking weed all the time, always trying to like escape myself and any problems that I had. I was not taking responsibility for things in my life. I was living with random roommates. I was like going through the motions of therapy, but not actually being like therapized. And I just wasn't taking responsibility and like taking my life by like the reins. And I feel like now or since my 30s begun, I have like worked hard to have a career that I'm proud of and have like actually let therapy do its job, become sober because it was something I recognized was not working for me. Like all of these things, I think were a huge part of why I attracted a partner that's as great as my partner because I was like, okay, I am here. I've done the work to get here. I want someone here. I don't want someone here anymore. And I think that's like, it's just that awareness of what you're bringing to the table, like comes through as you get older. And I'm curious what your experience was in your 20s versus now in that same way. Yeah, I would honestly agree. And I think it took a lot of time for me also to kind of, I don't want to say recognize my value, because it's not like I completely devalued myself or like hated myself or didn't think I deserved a good partner. But I think just like realizing the full potential that I had and just also kind of realizing what I needed in someone to like match me at where I was. And I give this example and I feel like every time I give it, I'm hesitant because it sounds very shallow. But what I'll say is that for me, it was more of like, okay, this is the type of life I want to live. And like, can this person live this life? I was dating this guy and I was like 28. So I feel like I was on the cusp of like making this realization. I was actually like looking to close my condo and like I was in a good job that I liked. I had like a good circle of friends, had separated myself from a more toxic relationship. And I was dating this guy who was really nice. Like he was so sweet and like he wanted to be exclusive. And I just had this like barrier. I was like, I don't know, but I don't feel like I'm ready yet. I don't think that I can make this commitment. And I was telling my girlfriend about him and she was just like, he just sounds like emotionally, he's not super stable. Like you're about to close on a condo. He is also really getting his finances in order. Like the first time I went over to his place, he warned me, he's like, you know, I don't want you to freak out. Like I actually don't have a bed. 
And so I go into his room and he didn't have like a mattress even. Literally, he was like sleeping on a sleeping bag. And again, that's why I'm like, I sound like a bitch for saying it, but it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, he's poor. I was just like, he, I think, has a lot of work to do in multiple areas of his life. Whereas I feel like I've actually been doing a lot of work and I'm in a place where I can start to feel proud of what I've accomplished. And for that reason, it just wasn't going to be a match. I don't think that's judgmental. I think that's like, if anything, it's just awareness of like what you will and will not accept. And I'm sure like in your earlier 20s, you would have been like, okay, well, like he's got potential. He's sleeping on on his mattress, but like he'll get a bed soon. Like, you know, it's like you, we make excuses. Whereas now it's like, no, no, like it's, he has a bed and a headboard or he's not for me. Yeah, exactly. It's like just kind of knowing what you like don't want to compromise on and what you shouldn't have to compromise on. Totally. So I know you mentioned that one of the big changes in your life, of course, was like your sobriety and also you just like from a mental standpoint, taking responsibility for yourself. I guess like as you made those changes, like what patterns did you have to break in dating, both in terms of like maybe types of guys you were going after or behaviors that just weren't serving you? So many changes needed to be made. I think when I was using and smoking weed all the time and getting drunk and doing whatever I did, I was choosing a partner that would allow that behavior. So I was choosing somebody who looked the other way for one reason or another, but usually because they had their own shit that they were escaping from. And so the partners that I was choosing were people who hadn't dealt with a lot of stuff in their lives or who were addicts themselves. And that was not something I recognized until I got sober. And just, I would say my like choice like barometer or whatever it is, once I got sober, really, it was like an eye opener. Like I was able to see, it was almost like a superpower where I could then see like, okay, no, 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 this person has this exact problem. And I can tell because like I had it a month ago. And so that was a huge shift for me. Yeah. And was there a set catalyst for you making the decision that you needed to become sober? Or was it something you'd kind of been considering for a while and just finally took that next step on? There were definitely like rock bottoms that I didn't recognize as rock bottoms that had happened like a year earlier, whether it was like ruining a family vacation because I couldn't get weed or like just little things or breaking up with people because they weren't okay with me, like smoking in their parents' home or whatever it was. It was like ridiculous. I was putting this thing on a pedestal above love, above like family, above so many things. And I think it it got to a point where I wasn't smoking to get high. Like I was just smoking to like be a normal functioning person. And I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. And so I would say like, okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm not going to smoke a joint before my first meeting. And then like I did. And it was so unmanageable for me because I was working for myself. And there was no one telling me, you're coming into this office. You have to do this. And so it was like totally up to me. It was like, if I don't make this choice... I am just going to do this for the rest of my life and put everything in my life secondary to this. And that's ridiculous. It's a plant. (laughs) Like, no, absolutely not. And so I think it was like the morning I wanted to stop, but didn't that I was like, all right, let's go. That's really great. And I will just say like very admirable, just in the sense that you had that self-awareness and discipline because 
I haven't struggled with addiction, but I can only imagine like it's hard even just to break a bad habit, let alone an addiction. So just have to give kudos where they're due. Thank you. So of course, you know, I am aware that you're a very huge advocate for therapy and I'd love to hear what role therapy played in helping you identify some of the patterns that you needed to break both in your personal life and romantic life. Therapy has been so helpful to me. I will say it's just as important to find a therapist that works for you than it is to find a significant other or a a friend. It is an important relationship and it's not one that you should take lightly. If you're thinking about starting therapy, you really do need to like and respect your therapist. I started with a, a great therapist and I have like since switched to another one who you both have been great, but I think it's really easy to get complacent in therapy and be like, Oh, this person, you know, works. And so I'm just going to stick with them forever. Just like not sticking with one person forever has helped. And I also do a specific type of therapy it's cognitive behavioral therapy. So it is a very action-based therapy where I learn how to kind of react in certain situations that are emotional. So for example, like staying in something called wise mind, as opposed to getting into emotion mind, because like, not that emotions are the devil, but like when we are acting based off our emotions, and I feel like you understand this as a Libra because we don't really do that often. But when we do, it's not good. Like if you're out to to lunch and like the person like messes up your order three times, it's like, is your goal like to enjoy lunch or to like ruin this person's life because they messed up your order? Because if it's to enjoy lunch, then just be like, you know what? It's okay. Like it happens. Yeah. Just send my order over when it is the right order and we'll continue eating. But it's so easy to get caught up in your reactions to things. And that is what has helped me the most. That's what therapy's helped me the most with is, is learning how to react well to certain situations. Yeah, I love that. That's such a great reminder because I think it just really puts things into perspective because for a lot of people, any inconvenience can feel like the biggest deal in the world in the moment. But when you kind of reorient yourself and figure out like, okay, what am I trying to get out of this? I think it really helps you to pull back, calm down and just react appropriately. Totally. So I'm really excited to get into this next topic. And so I feel like anyone who listens to your podcast, follows you on Instagram, knows that like you have a set of rules and this applies to both men and women in dating and like just kind of guidelines for how you should conduct yourself, assuming that you're looking for a relationship. So I'd love to hear like, at what point did you kind of begin implementing these into your own dating life and then kind of go through what some of the rules are? So I'm really happy you brought this up because the rules are a very controversial subject and I'm actually bringing them up right now so that I can reference them. But basically the rules are meant to be a guideline for how to date, especially if you're someone with anxiety, but more so if you're just like, no idea. Let's say I just graduated from college. I don't know how to date in the real world. Mm -hmm. Help me give me some guideline. And so the rules for men are very, I, I won't go through all of them, but it's basically like plan the date. Don't send dick pics. Like Mm -hmm. don't try to order for them. Make sure they got home safe. Walk them home. If you can don't ask if you should come up, like don't brag about money. 
no means no. Like it's like you think these are rules that people would know, but like sometimes they need a reminder. And apparently not. Exactly. (laughs) And for women, it's just like, you know, very standard things. I like to think that it's not the best idea to have like more than two drinks on a first date, um, or like even date one through three, just because it can like cloud your judgment of if you actually like this person or not. I think you know, going home with them on the first date is is not always the best idea, especially because most of these people we're meeting are strangers from dating apps. And also because like, it's fun to have this buildup of like getting to know this person. You know, I think it's important for if you're a woman dating a man to offer to pay at the end, hopefully they don't take you up on it. But I know so many guys that like, it grinds their gears when they have a date and the girl's just like, thank you without, you know, doing anything at the end. (laughs) And then it's just like general guidelines for once you're actually in the relationship, like don't ask, what are we? And like, let them be the one to kind of lead. I'm very traditional in that way. And I think that's gotten me into some fire with people who are not as traditional, but this is what has worked for me. And like, what I wish someone had told me when I was 20 something and dating. Mm -hmm. And these rules are definitely subjective and they're only for people who want them and who need them. I think there are so many people who are like, well, I just want to have fun. Well, like then go have fun. If you meet someone and you're like, I really like this person now, what's the next step? That's when the rules can come into play. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think one thing to call out, because I have like heard you address some of the controversy that people have brought up around, you know, their disagreement with the rules. And one interesting thing I read through all of them, because I was like, okay, let me familiarize myself. I knew most, but like not all. And I was actually surprised to see like you say, oh, it's fine to ask a guy out if you're a girl, your recommendation is just to let them lead from there. And so I think that's really interesting, because I don't think that's really that traditional. I think like a hyper traditional person would say like, women should never ask a man out, you know, like that kind of thing. So just to call out that I found was interesting. And I think that just kind of like speaks to the fact that you're not coming at it from the point of just being traditional. It's more just like, oh, if you need some like help and are trying to figure out like what has worked for me in the past, then here's my thoughts. Totally. And I feel like that comes a lot from people don't necessarily always know that you're interested. So you can ask them out to show your interest. But then it's so important to play that kind of game of like, okay, I did that now back away and I'll see if they come forward towards me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that comes from also like on a dating app, you don't always see the person that sees you, if that makes any sense. So like, oh, yeah. sometimes the girl has to like, say like, hi, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Okay, great. And now you can pursue me because yeah. I've made myself known. Yes, 100%. I also feel like, you know, back when I was single, I am not super bold in terms of like, oh, I'm going to ask a guy out. But I feel like I would approach guys and like start a conversation. And sometimes it was super easy just being like, what are you drinking? And honestly, that worked so well. Like it can be really be that easy. You just kind of have to make yourself known. But it doesn't mean that you have to be like, oh my God, you're so hot. I would love to get your number and like take you out. You know, like there's no way. Yeah. I actually really like that. What are you drinking? Yeah, I feel like honestly, every time or not every time, but a lot of the times they'd be like, Oh, do you want one? And I would also do this when I was like, kind of poor. And I was like, I would love for someone to buy me a drink. Uh-huh. So yes, please. So smart. Yeah, but like reading through these was really interesting, because it caused me to reflect on like, okay, how many of these did I adhere to when I was 
starting to date my boyfriend. And I actually hadn't listened to your podcast yet. So I didn't like know about these. They weren't like in consideration. But I realized like, I feel like I followed pretty much all of them without really thinking about it. One exception being like, I think not accepting dates three days in advance, because we met right before the pandemic. And so it was kind of like we would have FaceTime dates and stuff like that might have been last minute. But I think, you know, it really just speaks to the fact that if I look back to when I was dating in my early 20s, I don't think I followed these quite as much. And I think just as I figured out what worked for me and also how to protect myself a little bit more and be a little more strategic, these things just kind of came into practice more naturally and organically. Totally. Yeah. And I'd love to hear like from you, were there any specific experiences in your personal life that might have inspired specific rules? Definitely. I feel like they're all from my personal experiences, but I would say like one of them that makes me cringe to this day is like, I used to, when I didn't have my own place, when I was like living at my parents, if I would spend the night with a guy, which like is already breaking the rules in itself, because like, I don't personally recommend doing that really before you whatever. But I would like kind of linger at their place. Like I wouldn't want to go home and I would just like want to stay. And I, that's like a huge rule now is like, don't linger the next day, like go home. Mm -hmm. You have places to be. And for both boys and girls and everyone dating, don't linger until you're like more serious. But everyone likes their mornings to themselves, likes to maybe poop or whatever they have to do. (laughs) And I was like cringy and lingering. And so that's definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like one that I really wanted to touch on, because you mentioned this is against the rules themselves of like spending the night early. And I say this with the disclaimer of like, I know there's not like a set like, oh, spend the night after this number of dates. Like it's very subjective. It also depends on like your goals, what you're comfortable with. But like, I feel like for so many people, especially when you're younger, this could be like a source of stress. If you're like a woman dating men and you're like, when do I sleep with him? And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, when you think like someone should kind of open themselves up to that. I think that when you're ready and feel comfortable to like, you should never sleep with someone because you think they are ready or they want to, it really has to come from you. And I think the best case scenario is that you feel like they like you already and that you're not doing it to make them like you. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, especially when we're dealing with men as women, men really fall for women through experiences with them Mm -hmm. and like time spent quality time spent together. And we sometimes as women will fall for a man who we have really good sex with. And that's just like, unfortunately, what happens sometimes. And so Mm -hmm. I think if you give enough time for the man to fall, then it can be time for you to jump in and like, be ready for the if you feel ready for it. And that to me is usually like six or more dates, just because I feel like it's really important. And like, I don't say to like be official before you sleep together to be married before you sleep together. I think it's important to know how it works in the bedroom with this person, but only once like there is a comfortability. Mm hmm. And I love that you said that it's ideally after you feel like they like you, because I think for me, like the worst thing would be having sex with someone and then having anxiety around, are they going to text me? Whereas it's like, if they are acting like they like you, hopefully you don't have that anxiety. And then even if, you know, maybe they were all acting and it's like, okay, they just wanted to get you in bed. 
you can still look back and you don't have to be like, I made a mistake. Like I was foolish. You can be like, okay, this person is like a creep and a sociopath. And like, I made the most informed decision that I could. And like, that's on them if they don't want to text me back at this point. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. So I guess I'd love to hear like, what shift did you see and how guys responded to you and treated you after you started following these rules yourself? It was crazy. Like, I'm not even kidding. It was like a switch went off and I just like sat back and was reached out to all the time by these guys. And I was the one rejecting and it felt like I had like taken my power back and I knew 100% how people felt about me all the time. And it was only up to me to decide how I felt about them. And that was such an amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah, that is really empowering. Honestly, like, I think to your point, the point of these is to really just kind of like remove the anxiety around things and like to make you feel like you're in control of your dating life. So that's really great and encouraging to hear. And I guess I'd also love to hear what role do you think the rules play, if any, after you've entered a committed relationship with someone? And I bring this up because I'll admit, so a little story, and I know this isn't one of the explicit rules, but I was driving down to San Diego with my boyfriend around Thanksgiving. And I think that same day, I like watched a story that you posted. And it was like about your thoughts on if guys let you pay for dinner dates, like throughout your relationship. And I feel like I was like, you know, we're reaching this big milestone. Like I've never brought anyone home for a holiday. And it still kind of like made me spiral a little bit because like full disclosure, we'll trade off dates. Like he is generous and it's not like I'm thinking, oh, I'm being taken advantage of or anything like that. But like I will pay for a dinner date here and there. And so would love to hear about any other rules that you think apply specifically to relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone is different and like it's totally situational in regards to like who pays for what. I personally just like that's like that goes back to me being traditional i'm like i just want you to pay for the dinner because like it makes me cringe for the waiter to have to like take two cards like i'm like oh like i've had waiters tell me that it makes them cringe to take two cards after a date interesting so i think that's the one thing that i would say for me but it's not a deal breaker and i know all people like everyone is different with it I think going into the relationship thing, like I love for like the guy to say, I love you first. I think the moving in conversation can be a little bit more mutual. So that's fine. And I think like the guy should ask you to marry them. Like that's the one, like, I think it's so cool. And like comparing when a woman asks, but like, it also kind of like, for me, I'm like, no, I would never do that. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like, I think most of the rules kind of go out the window. I think you know, you still want to like try and you don't want to feel like, okay, now I've got them and I'm just going to give up. But you definitely don't have to like check yourself as much. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think the fact that you said it's like a lot of this is your preference and like in past conversations, both with former guests or even just like friends when we're debating dating things, I feel like a lot of times I would question some of the more like traditional things like, can a girl ask a guy out? Like, should you split a cost on a first date? And if like they let you, is that a deal breaker? And I think like ultimately my take is like, neither of those things are wrong, but it's like well within your right to be turned off by those things too. So it's like, if you want to date a guy who's totally. more likely to pursue you, maybe you choose not to ask guys out. Or if you don't like a guy who lets you pay on the first date, like it's fine if you don't accept a second date, but like 
Conversely, if you're okay with those things, then I think it's fine to ignore those as well. Totally. So another thing I really wanted to talk about is like the art of texting and banter overall, because I feel like that's something that really impacts your dating success, particularly because in our generation, like usually we are primarily texting in the early stages of dating. And I know that that's something that you talk about a lot. And it's something that you've kind of crafted and like you figured out like how to maintain that banter and keep the conversation interesting. So I would love to hear your tips on how to effectively establish that. I think banter is such a good like tool to have when you're dating. And I think that people underestimate themselves. Like people will be like, Oh, I'm not funny. So like, I can't banter, but it's like, well, look at your conversations with your friends. Like you're going right into it. You're saying like, you know, you're being ridiculous. And like, (laughs) I think like skipping the formalities and getting right to it. So for example, starting to talk to someone as if you like known them forever, as if you've been in like a conversation for like days already, I think is a great way to start off banter. I was just saying this on a podcast recently. It's like, use your dating app profile, like as if you're taking over a friend's Facebook when we were like in high school, you know, and like, you're just messing with them. Like, (laughs) and you're changing the status and like, you're randomly messaging, like their like their high school boyfriend, whatever it is. Like just start having fun with it and not overthinking it and just like being crazy and weird and like asking that really random question Mm -hmm. or like a would you rather getting into like a random debate about like which pen is the best. (laughs) Like whatever it is, it's better than like a how is your weekend. Anything is better than a how is your weekend. Yes. And I feel like it's kind of like the energy of like whenever you have a friend who's in a relationship and they take your phone because they're like so excited to have these conversations. It's like bringing that kind of energy. And like, yes, I think about like, there was a period where I was definitely so burned out on dating. And I even like went back to look at some texts. I was trying to reference something for a story I was telling on another podcast. And I was like, I was not that engaging of a texter. And I feel like my heart wasn't that into it. I felt like a little bit more cynical and stressed about the dates rather than like excited about these people. And so I feel like when you kind of pull back and become more intentional, then that helps. And like, you really have to have that excitement around it. Otherwise, like, who's going to want to talk to you? It's not going to be fun for either of you. Totally. Couldn't agree more. I think that you've mentioned in the past, you've had times when you've kind of like Cyrano'd your friend's texts. And I would love to hear like, what types of openers do you use? And like, also what shifts do they get in terms of like guys' responsiveness and excitement? Yeah. Well, actually there was one that I did that with and she's getting married in two weeks. Oh my god, Which is crazy to the guy that I was messaging for her. And I think the shift there is just like, oh, this person is now like enthusiastic. You know, just as you said, it's like as the friend taking your phone, like into me, like has the banter, is ready to like make that date happen. Versus someone who you can kind of tell is just like burnt out and just over it. And I think that if someone has like the gift of the gab, then like that's the person you just like hand your phone to. Like it's not like you're saying you're surrendering or you're saying like, oh, I suck. So I'm going to give this person my phone. No, it's just like, oh, this isn't my forte. Like I'm really good at math and they're really good at texting. (laughs) So like I'm going to give her my phone. And she's going to text for me and like, I'll do the rest in person. Yeah. I love that. Cause it is kind of just like getting the ball rolling. It's not like they're actually going to be like 
the scribe behind your whole love life. It's just a little fire starter. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, another thing that I wanted to cover before we wrap up is your poll questions. And honestly, I have to say, like, I love these so much. They're so entertaining. Like, I've pulled my friends into it, like made my boyfriend answer them, like sometimes reluctantly, because he's like, this is a hypothetical. And I'm like, I know exactly. It's the point. So for anyone who doesn't know, on her Instagram, Lindsay has these great poll questions. And a lot of them are submitted by her followers. And they're just like great hypotheticals that I think can really teach you a lot about how someone feels about, you know, what they value in a relationship or like what's a deal breaker for them. Very enlightening, very entertaining. And I thought it would be fun to ask you some poll questions for once to get your take on some of the ones that might be maybe a little less straightforward. I love it. So from your perspective, is it a bad sign if you think you're smarter than your partner? Yes. Hmm. I agree. Honestly. I think it's like, it's the beginning of contempt. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I feel like it's just kind of like, if you have that superiority, it's like, are you looking down on this person? And I don't think you can really be equals with someone if you are looking down on them in any regard. So. Agreed. So I guess this could go for either men or women. Is it unwise to tell someone you love them when you know that they're not there yet? Yes, I think it is. I think, unfortunately, it's it's more acceptable to do this if you're a guy, but I think you, it's more fun to have those moments where you're both about to say it and then you don't. And then, you know, you say it knowing that they are there as opposed to just like, it's also kind of selfish because it's like, you're not reading the room at all. You're just getting off your chest what you feel, but what about thinking about how they feel? Mm, That's a good point. Yeah. And I think that it definitely puts pressure on the other person to like figure it out in the moment. And I feel like it could actually backfire if someone's like, I don't love them. Like, do I need to break up with them? Whereas they might've just gotten there in a month. Exactly. Okay. So if you were cheated on in the past, should you tell your partner or should you keep it to yourself? I think you should tell your partner, but you shouldn't tell them until you're like more serious and like trust them and like share everything together. I think like if you're first dating someone, you're like, by the way, like everyone has cheated on me. So like, don't do that same thing to me. You know, it's like, that's weird. And like, honestly, (laughs) probably pushing someone to do that to you because you're like, this is what I've accepted in the past. I'm willing to accept this again. I've been cheated on, but it's not something that came up with my fiance until like we were much more serious. And like, at that point he was like, oh, okay. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to like use this against you or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's just, I think there can be pressure to like trauma dump and be like, oh, well, I need to like get all my demons out there. And I think it's important to be transparent, not necessarily to, I don't know, like lead with all of that before you really even know somebody. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So this last one is related to a rule. So let's say you don't follow the rule of having two drinks on a date and you drink too much on a first date. Would you apologize or do you think it's best to just like let it be? You have to apologize. You have to address it. I've had this be me and I've had this happen to me. And if someone doesn't address it after it happens, I have no respect for them. And I'm like, they aren't addressing it because this is their usual (laughs) behavior and it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is a red flag. It's like, oh, is this just like their baseline behavior? That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Right. My gosh. Well, I mean, clearly I could ask you these all day, but I would recommend that 
Anyone who wants to see more poll questions actually go to Lindsay's Instagram. So can you plug where people can find you and the podcast? Yes, you can find me at we met at Acme on Instagram or listen to the podcast. It's called we met at Acme wherever you listen to podcasts. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.